Hello and welcome back to Heel Town. Christopher Estes here, back in January 1987 at Hartford, Connecticut. 16,000 people on hand for Saturday night's main event. Nine. It's been a couple weeks since we've been with you. It's WrestleMania season. Just had a birthday pass. Uh, had our car hit and totaled. So it's been a very hectic time. We are back on track, and of course, I am joined by my co-host Spencer Santos. How's it going, Spencer? Uh, not too much better than yours really <laughs> in a lot of ways uh, just been swamped with uh dissertation revision issues and yeah. stuff so uh, and my car died not long before yours got totaled right well so. hopefully we are both we uh we did just get our new car and you told me a little earlier that you're close to having one possibly for yourself as well so hopefully this will all be put behind us and we can not uh, miss another week and get back on our regularly scheduled path here Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive right in, then, to Saturday Night's Main Event. This is our first show of 1987. We get an opening video that has some promos from the competitors. Hogan's in a cage, and there's some recaps of stuff that we've seen before from Piper Adonis, Steel, Harley Race, now in WWF, and the Junkyard Dog. And, of course, Vince and Jesse will be on commentary. They run down the card and let us know that our first match will be the first ever Steel Cage match on network television. Uh, so... Yeah, our first show of 87, like I said, um, 86 was a kind of up and down year. As we reviewed last time, you can view our rewards or hear our rewards rather from that. If you uh, go back and listen to our last episode, which was a lot of fun. But now it's time to start looking at a new year and it's going to be a huge one because as we know, WrestleMania 3 coming up in just a couple of episodes is arguably the most famous WrestleMania of them all, possibly. So we got some work to do to get there, though. And to start off, it is this Steel Cage World Title Defense by Hulk Hogan against Paul Orndorff. Uh, and this is essentially continuing the Hogan versus Heenan feud. Heenan's out here with Paul Orndorff. We do get Okerlund in the back with Heenan and Orndorff first. Orndorff, when he comes out, is still using Real American also, still stealing that music. And Danny Davis, the crooked referee, decides to join Joey Morella as the officials on the outside of the cage for the match. Uh, after that, though, we do see Hogan in the back with Gene. He says he's going to settle things tonight. And in this match, the actual action, Orndorff attacks right away, makes a quick dash for the door, tries to go over the top before he can get to the ground. Hogan brings him back in by the hair. It's pretty standard fare for the most part. A lot of escape attempts by both until both men start climbing opposite sides and they hit at the same time. Each referee declares a winner. Davis shoves down Joey Morella. Hogan goes after Davis. Orndorff knees him between the shoulders. Hogan, that is, knocking him into Danny Davis. And Joey Morella decides that because it was a tie, the match must continue because you cannot have a tie in a cage match in January of 1987, at least. So they get back in the ring. Orndorff brings out a foreign object and... Danny Davis is helped to the back after getting crushed underneath Hulk Hogan. We get the Hulk up, big leg drop, Orndorff's bleeding, Hogan climbs, Heenan enters the ring to try and stop him, but Hogan knocks him down and then stops Orndorff from escaping, sends Heenan hard into the cage, and Hogan climbs out and beats Orndorff out the door to retain the title. Uh, for me, this one, kind of boring until it got into the tie and it became a lot more story-oriented story and not just a bunch of like strikes 
in the ring. Uh, but what do you think about this one, Spencer? Yeah, um, I, I think the uh, the real story and the real interest in this one is definitely. Um, well, I, I think it really is uh, from the uh, Danny Davis heel referee angle, which, uh, you know, right. obvious obvious spotting the influence to uh, Nick Patrick. Oh, yeah. As the NWO referee. Mm-hmm. Charles Robinson uh, as Charles Rick Robinson as Rick Flair's referee. Yeah, um, I think that's the most interesting bit. Um, Hogan, during his promo, calls uh, the Steel Cage the last resort, the ultimate... Um, you know, grudge match kind of deal, mm-hmm. which is great um, because we live in a post Steel Cage as the ultimate match deal right, yeah. world now, and Steel Cages almost feel quaint. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they feel a little like old fashioned. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so I mean, that's that is our world title match right there. I don't really have much more to say about it than that, other than. Yeah. We gotta we gotta wrap up this Hulk Hogan Paul Orndorff segment of the Hogan yeah. Heenan feud because I mean we know that Andre the Giant is on the horizon so we know we've got that coming up. But uh, I mean Heenan and Orndorff are incredibly upset because they think that he won the first time so we may see some remnants of this but again we've only got one more Saturday night's main event uh, so I think this probably is the end of what we'll be seeing between these two they probably yeah. clear it up on you know the the weekly shows or something like that. But our next um, match... She, just oh, one yeah. line for commentary, though, on yeah. it. Um, Ventura refers to the steel cage as the most brutal match in wrestling. And that's that's how you sell something. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and it still, it still feels like a big deal, even though, you know, watching these old cage matches, it still feels like a big deal, even though um, we are in a world with... Hell in a Cell, TLC, Punjabi Prison, Elimination Chamber, uh, Elimination Chamber, Exploding Ring, Barbed Wire, <laughs> Death right. Matches. You know this, this they still it still manages to feel like a big deal. Thirty years later, um, right. just because they they made it a big deal. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so our next match is a rematch from WrestleMania Two. It's Intercontinental Champion Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth against George the Animal Steel. So before the match, Savage tells Okerlund that he's going to push him against the wall, and then he also won't let Liz talk, as is standard for Macho Man at this point. And then George Steele can't quite articulate what he's going to do to Mean Gene, but he does say that he's bringing a surprise. So when George Steele comes out to the ring, he brings out his old LJN big rubber figure to give to Elizabeth, which is the one that uh, I had him autograph that we've uh, briefly discussed before. So that was fun for me to see. But then Savage steals it away from Liz and spikes it, and it goes flying out of the ring. (laughs) That rubber figure really uh, takes off from the ring mat. So Steele starts strong, big body slams. And before you know it, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat has returned after... Savage had attacked him in the throat with the ring bell. Now Steamboat is out to distract Savage. It allows George Steele to toss Savage out of the ring over the top rope. And man, he lands like hard on the wooden stairs. Like it looked like a pretty painful bump that he takes. 
Steel then, like, absconds with Elizabeth. He just escapes to the back, and we go to commercial. <laughs> Steamboat uh, kind of chases Macho Man around when we come back. George Steel comes back out because apparently this match is possibly still happening. Steel eats the turnbuckles, as, you know, he, he always does. And then George Steel has a foreign object. He shoves down the referee, but then Savage grabs the bell, nails Steel with it, and covers for three. So Steel left the ring for theoretically minutes. He used a foreign object. He shoved down the referee. He's the face through all of this. And then Randy Savage, after using a ring bell that the referee does not see, wins the match. So it's a really weird match. Like, it's a it's a fairly interesting story, and it's obviously the start of Savage and Steamboat resuming their feud. But a, a weird little segment here, I thought. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird little match, weird little segment. Um I mean it's obvious we're we're getting underway of uh toward uh Savage Steamboat at WrestleMania, so right. this is important stuff. But it's also a bit weird the way it's uh still like we're we're still we're kinda finishing up the George Steele story here. Um very late. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of overlap going on here. Um, Steel having an action figure of himself as the thing to, uh, give to Elizabeth was <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's a terrible match. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, um, it just makes no sense. Like, there's no respect for any rules or logic in this match. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. Um. Next, we see the coronation of Harley Race as yes. King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell just how not into this he is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He, uh, yeah, he gets coronated with all the heels in the ring, like you said, with uh, Bobby Heenan essentially doing the coronation. And then in the back, they make Oakland bow by force and say that they'll do the same to JYD. So apparently Harley Race had won two King of the Ring tournaments, I believe. Jesse and Vince mention. Uh which is why he's the king. I don't really, I didn't look into the exact details of that, but I think, yeah, we can just assume this is essentially an early incarnation of the, you know, king of the ring gimmick where you just be, you know, you start wearing a robe and carrying a scepter or whatever. (laughs) But uh, JYD does say that he will not bow down when he speaks to Gene in the back. And we come back from commercial before this match starts. There's a commercial between JYD's segment in the back and the beginning of the match. And Vince, like, proudly announces... We are back from the insurance capital of the world, Hartford, Connecticut, as if that is something to be proud of. (laughs) But okay, Vince, whatever you say. So early on, Harley Race controls with knees, but he makes the mistake eventually of headbutting Junkyard Dog. So, of course, JYD takes control. Bad idea. Yep. (laughs) And and we get the commentary explaining that uh, why it's a bad idea. Yep. Because, of course, if you are... Not a white person, specifically if you are Samoan, especially, but also if you are a black man or certainly if, a, if a you larger just black man, so... then your skull is extra hard. Well, I mean, the the character of Junkyard Dog is not a man of intellect. <laughs> no. Considering he believes himself to be a dog. Yeah, he did tell us at Wrestling Classic he was going to buy a bunch of bones with his winning with his so... winnings. So. Um, maybe he just has too much bone in his skull, and it leaves less room for brain? (laughs) 
I guess. I mean, that certainly I, seems I, to that's, be the implication. That's, yeah. That, that's what commentary has led me to believe. Yeah, that, uh, I mean... I'm not sure I like that. I, no, I don't, certainly not. But I think it's still kind of icky. Yeah, oh, it definitely is. Definitely is. <laughs> so, uh, JYD does eventually steal the royal garb, and now he is king junkyard dog at this point. And then he pushes Heenan, but Race gets him from behind. Finally, the bell sounds. Uh, junkyard dog has won by DQ, it seems like, even though that was not an option in the last match. Uh, but Danny Davis, who was the referee for this match, lets this keep going. And then JYD fights back, and he heads butts Danny Davis. Uh, so Davis kind of gets what's coming to him in this one a little bit, but allows uh, the beatdown of Junkyard Dog by Heenan and Race at the same time after the match. I mean, overall, this match is pretty much a throwaway. It's just setting us up for this feud to continue. Do you have any uh, any th thoughts about this one, Spencer? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, just, it's, it's a weird ass match. There, there's not much to it. Um, you no. get the falling headbutt, though. Um, so, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. a move that I believe I've read Harley Race regrets inventing. Yeah, yeah, he wishes that he had never created that move because of all the, you know, traumatic injuries that it's cause i mean so someone else someone else would have invented it at some point anyway right so i i don't blame him too much oh no i don't hold it against him i understand why he regrets it but i mean like you said it was it's kind of an inevitability you know yeah so uh after this match we get paul orndorff and bobby heenan in the back they are heated and heenan says that he will prove that orndorff is the rightful champion to jack tunney who's offices and i i do remember this now but i had forgotten jack tunney's kayfabe office of the president is in toronto so the, yes well and part of the reason for that is because uh jack tunney was uh oh what what was the promote he, he ran a promotion in canada that basically sold two vints right. and that's how he got his job right um so, you know, it, it all makes sense. No, it does. It does. It just uh, rings strange to me when I think of, you know, world champion, real American Hulk Hogan and the offices in Canada. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, that's that's where we're going. But again, we, we probably won't see much more from this. Our next match is Roddy Piper against the returning adorable Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart. So Adonis is back from the injury that he incurred when Piper nailed him with a crutch in the arm. And Roddy Piper in his backstage interview is intense. But uh, both of these guys give pretty just short and sweet backstage interviews. Nothing really too much of note. Uh, I don't think that they say to Mean Gene in the back. And in the ring, Piper starts really fast. Uh, and Adonis goes over the top rope backwards and gets caught in them like he often does, and then does one of his big corner bumps. So Adonis, true to form, is bumping around like a madman once again. Eventually the fight spills to the outside. Adrian Adonis grabs his atomizer and sprays Piper in the eyes with it. So Piper, I believe, gets counted out. I think that's the official ruling in this one. Uh, and Adonis is your winner by countout. But uh, obviously this is going to continue. Piper has now been blinded. He ends up accidentally hip-tossing a referee. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, obviously just the beginning of a feud. What do you have to say about this one, Spencer? 
there, there's not a lot to say about it. It's a short little ma- match. It's sloppy. Uh, it's not a lot going on here. No, um, the, the atomizer is the most interesting part. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, it's just uh, obviously you know a, a step between where they left off when Piper hit him with the crutch back when Piper was hurt, and now you know. Adonis blinds him. This is clearly just, you know, the middle of this thing moving forward. We're just starting to ramp up for WrestleMania season. Yeah. Honestly, the next match is in some ways uh, also just more interest. The next match is more interesting for its referee than anything else. Exactly. So before that last match, we do get Hogan in the back with Oakland. Oakland tells Hulk that Heenan says that Orndorff won. And the face that Hogan gives him is like an all-time hilarious wrestling face. It is, I mean, I, I don't have the word to describe it. It is worth, there, there's not much to see on this show, but it is worth going back to the January 1987 Saturday Night's Main Event. Just find the segment between the last two matches and look at Hulk Hogan's face when Mean Gene says that, Heenan says Orndorff is the rightful winner, because it is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but Hogan, as we probably will be as well, He's already looking forward to new challenges, and as we know, they are around the corner. So, again, Bigger this... and better things, he says, Bigger and better things. So, I wonder what that could mean. A hmm, little bit of foreshadowing. So we do yeah. have that, uh, that last match of the night after this that you alluded to. It is the apparent battle for Texas. Jimmy Jack Funk against Blackjack Mulligan. So, uh... This Literally is... nothing interesting about the actual match itself, other than the fact that Blackjack Mulligan is wearing his spurs to start the match. <laughs> yep, and the referee... I don't makes... remember who won. I don't give a shit who won. I don't remember how they won. The <laughs> only interesting thing is, the referee is Rita Chatterton. Yep, Rita, uh, Rita Chatterton. Marley, as she is called here. Yep, she, uh, first female official in WWF. And, I yep. mean, I assume probably one of the first, you know, in a in a, in a major, major promotion like this, you know? Yeah. I, I would assume so. In fact, um, I had totally I – d- I do not remember her. I did not remember her. She came out when Piper was blinded earlier in this show, and I was like, who is that woman? I don't recognize her. And I thought she must be, like, the medical trainer or, like, a doctor or something like that, you know? And I was very surprised when she was out here to referee the Battle for Texas match. I, again, like totally did not remember her. I was started yeah. looking her up <laughs> as I was watching this match because not a lot yeah. going on. She, uh, she, uh, she was a referee for a, for a little while there. Uh, she's mostly been erased from WWE history hmm. um, due to uh, alleging that Vince McMahon uh, raped her in the back of a car. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Man. That's wild. I, yeah, I did not, I don't remember seeing her when I was younger, or maybe I just didn't notice, you know? But, yeah, I mean, I guess now I see why she was, uh, now I see why she's never mentioned, or they never bring up that obviously they're not going to, if that's the accusation that's out there. Man, so, I mean, yeah, in this match, there's not, like you said, there's not much to say. Uh, there's a big back elbow by Blackjack Mulligan that gets a three. He chokes Jimmy Jack Funk for a second, 
and then Vince and Jesse take us out, end of show. Like, that's about it. Blackjack Mulligan wins. The only other marginally interesting note is that this might be the first uh, stepfather and or uh, father-in-law and son-in-law tandem that we've seen because we we saw Mike Rotunda, uh, a.k.a. IRS, on here before, and now we have seen uh, mm. uh, Blackjack Mulligan, who, of course, is Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas's grandpa. So we will see three generations of this family, even if it is partially by marriage. But the only other even remotely interesting note, other than seeing Rita Marley, Rita Chatterton, as the referee in this, I'm interested to see... Do you know how long she was around? Um, I can look that up real quick here. Yeah, because I, I mean... Rita Chatterton was a referee in WWE. Um, briefly, briefly in the 80s. Um... Yeah, so she, it's, she could have been a year or two. Um, yeah, the, uh, in 1992, she was on Geraldo, and um, that's where uh, the accusation was uh, made public. On Geraldo, I see. And the, uh, the uh, accusation was that it happened in 86. Hmm. Um, so before as she. Yeah, before this, um, she, it was on Geraldo's Now It Can Be Told, um, this was, uh, right around the time of the Ring Boy scandal as well, when it came out, um, so, she never did sue or report to law enforcement, according to Jerry McDevitt, um, and that's in 2010, McDevitt noted that. Okay. Uh, so, WWE's position is long is largely that this was just a attempt at a quick shakedown. Um, that didn't uh, lead to anything. Um, that's WWE's position. Right. Um. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that it, I mean, you know, if there had ever been uh, charges pressed or, uh, you know, a legal battle or anything like that, it would probably be much, much more in the consciousness of the public. Yeah. And I'm sure that for a time in in 92, it probably was, but being 1992 and being something that wasn't pursued legally, I assume it must have faded from view pretty quickly. Yeah, the... uh... It never went to anything. Um, you know, there's uh, not a lot really out there. Um, she has no, like, you know, even even wrestlers and referees, like, they get IMDb bios and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. She has nothing. She has no social media out there at all. No one has any idea um, what has become of her. Wow. Hmm. She's Crazy. just dropped off the face of the earth. Um, as far as uh, I can tell. Wow. Well, that is well, that is Saturday Night's Main Event Nine, basically. I mean, yeah, it's uh, full of not, strange not a lot footnotes. Here. Yeah, 
it's yeah, got got some like strange footnotes of a few odd things going on, or odd characters that weren't long for WWF certainly, but uh, yeah, man, just like you said, not much here to talk about. Starts off fairly okay with the steel cage match for the world title, but it gets really fillery really quick. These, I mean, not only is this fillers for the show itself, but it's fillers in the feuds. So no reason for anyone to really go back and search this one out other than Hogan's face. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, any any last words for this one, Spencer? I'm hoping Saturday Night's Main Event 10 is better. Me too. I'm... <laughs> Um, I think it could also this... be similar because it's, you know, shortly before WrestleMania 3, but it will probably be important for us to watch number 10 because it will fill us in, essentially, I think, between what goes on here yeah. after New Year's and uh, and builds up the feuds. And we obviously we see a few of them here, but builds up probably some of the other feuds or fills in the blanks on our way to WrestleMania 3. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, if nothing else, we'll be a little more clued in toward WrestleMania three, and that's that's really the important thing. Yeah, that yeah, it's really going to be a a bridge building episode there, since we don't get too much here. At least, certainly nothing from the main event picture. That's still to come. Well, <laughs> that that pretty much wraps us up. Like we said, not a lot to say here, so we're gonna make a quick episode of it. No reason for us to blather on about the middle stages of Roddy Piper versus Adrian Adonis. So until next time and Saturday night's main event 10, you can find us on Facebook. We are Heeltown. You can find us at Heeltown Podcast on Twitter. You can also find us uh, at patreon.com slash Heeltown. And uh, hopefully getting our blog up soon. Uh, Spencer, do you want to plug some of the stuff that you've written Regarding Shimmer and all that, for yeah. here today. Oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, just on uh, Reddit, I've uh, I posted up on the uh, Squared Circle and Queens of the Ring subreddit uh, a couple nice uh, guides to uh, Shimmer and to Rise ahead of uh, this past weekend's uh, Shimmer and Rise shows, which we went to. Twenty yeah. hours of watching wrestling <laughs> um, for me, yeah. a few less for you because you weren't at the early to Rise. Right. Yeah. Um, it was exhausting and going out afterwards um every night to what didn't help that you know <laughs> right yeah um but uh yeah no it, it was exhausting but it was wonderful um i i'm happy to uh say that so um one of the best things about that about the weekend i won't we won't do a full recap of the weekend here um, because we're trying to keep this short. But one thing that did happen this weekend during uh, Rise's mini convention, which was really cool, um, was uh, so they had matches during the mini convention and like people were just buying merch and stuff with, uh, you know, at the tables. And so a bunch of the wrestlers were there and then there were wrestlers in the ring at the same time. And one, my favorite moment of the entire weekend uh, was I was buying a picture from the Killer Death Machines, uh, Nevaeh and Jessica Havoc, and Nevaeh was all business. She was on top of it. She was, you know, getting my name, getting it signed. And the second match of the 
of the mini convention had just begun, and uh, one of the women in it was uh, Janai Kai, who is very new to wrestling. Um, she was Mick Foley's pick from their most recent uh, visit to Florida to come up to the show and be part of the show. Nice. She has a martial arts gimmick. She's a Taekwondo black belt. Anyway, she gets in the ring, and as is taking care of her end of the picture, Havoc, Jessica Havoc has just completely lost sight of the fact that we were conducting business she just her eyes are on the ring and her mouth falls open a little in this like just adorable grin (laughs) like jessica havoc and then i'm my back is to the ring i can't see it and i so i'm watching havoc and she's narrating her thoughts (laughs) because she's she is saying um things like um let me let me find it here she, she's saying things like, oh, my God, she is so cool. Um, she, you know, is she, who is this girl? Is she doing karate? She's doing karate. <laughs> wow, that was a cool spinny kick. Like, Je- Jessica Havoc was just absolutely taken with this young woman. Absolutely loved everything she was seeing. Um, it, it's great. And uh, I tweeted about this. And... Um, Janaya, you know, Janaya saw that and retweeted it and was just very happy, um, about it, you know, just happy to have, uh, you know, that kind of recognition from a veteran talent. And then Jessica Havoc, um, also retweeted it, um, and said she was so fun to watch and they weren't following each other when I, when I posted this, they are now. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. I, I connected. I connected them. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was, a, it was wonderful. It was a really fun weekend. There was so many. I mean, there were over sixty women that were a part of the Rise Show, so the largest women's roster ever assembled. So, so much awesome talent that we got to see this weekend was a lot of fun, and we'll have a lot more Shimmer stuff coming up, and especially, uh, hopefully, once we get this blog started, we can do some more up-to-date things, including. WWE, including Impact, including Shimmer and Rise, and all across the board, we can kind of connect with you guys that way. Um, besides just looking back at these shows, where you know from 1987 here on the pod. So, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun, and hopefully some some good stuff coming up both uh, there and on the podcast here as we hurdle toward WrestleMania three. But until Saturday's main event 10, you can find us at all of those aforementioned social media outlets. For Spencer Santos, I'm Christopher Estes. Thank you for listening to Heel Town.